Letter forty four of Clarissa Harlowe, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, volume two by Samuel Richardson. Letter forty four. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Howe. The preceding letter not received. Saturday afternoon. Already have I an ecstatic answer, as I may call it, to my letter. He promises compliance with my will in every article, approves of all I propose, particularly of the private lodging, and thinks it a happy expedient to obviate the censures of the busy and the unreflecting, and yet he hopes that the putting myself into the protection of either of his aunts, treated as I am treated, would be far from being looked upon by anybody in a disreputable light. But everything I enjoin or resolve upon must, he says, be right, not only with respect to my present but future reputation, with regard to which he hopes so to behave himself as to be allowed to be, next to myself, more properly solicitous than anybody. He will only assure me that his whole family are extremely desirous to take advantage of the persecutions I labour under to make their court, and endear themselves to me by their best and most cheerful services, happy if they can in any measure contribute to my present freedom and future happiness. He will this afternoon, he says, write to Lord M. and to Lady Betty and Lady Sarah, that he is now within view of being the happiest man in the world, if it be not his own fault, since the only woman upon earth that can make him so will be soon out of danger of being another man's, and cannot possibly prescribe any terms to him that he shall not think it his duty to comply with. He flatters himself now, my last letter confirming my resolution, that he can be in no apprehension of my changing my mind, unless my friends change their manner of acting by me, which he is too sure they will not. And now will all his relations, who take such a kind and generous share in his interests, glory and pride themselves in the prospects he has before him. Thus does he hold me to it. As to fortune, he begs me not to be solicitous on that score, that his own estate is sufficient for us both, not a nominal, but a real, two thousand pounds per annum, equivalent to some estates reputed a third more, that it never was encumbered, that he is clear of the world, both as to book and bond debts, thanks perhaps to his pride more than to his virtue that lord m moreover resolves to settle upon him a thousand pounds per annum on his nuptials and to this he will have it his lordship is instigated more by motives of justice than of generosity as he must consider it was but an equivalent for an estate which he had got possession of to which his mr lovelace's mother had better pretensions that his lordship also proposed to give him up either his seat in hertfordshire or that in lancashire at his own or at his wife's option especially if i am the person all which it will be in my power to see done, and proper settlements drawn, before I enter into any further engagements with him, if I will have it so. He says that I need not be under any solicitude as to apparel. All immediate occasions of that sort will be most cheerfully supplied by the ladies of his family, as my others shall, with the greatest pride and pleasure, if I allow him that honour, by himself. He assures me that I shall govern him as I please, with regard to anything in his power towards effecting a reconciliation with my friends, a point he knows my heart is set upon. He is afraid that the time will hardly allow of his procuring Miss Charlotte Montague's attendance upon me, at St. Albans, as he had proposed she should, because, he understands, she keeps her chamber with a violent cold and sore throat, but both she and her sister, the first moment she is able to go abroad, shall visit me at my private lodgings, and introduce me to Lady Sarah and Lady Betty, or those ladies to me, as I shall choose, and accompany me to town if I please, and stay as long in it with me as I shall think fit to stay there. Lord M. will also, at my own time, and in my own manner, that is to say, either publicly or privately, make me a visit, and for his own part, when he has seen me in safety, either in their protection or in the privacy I prefer, he will leave me, 
and not attempt to visit me but by my own permission he had thought once he says on hearing of his cousin charlotte's indisposition to have engaged his cousin patty's attendance upon me either in or about the neighbouring village or at st albans but he says she is a low-spirited timorous girl and would but the more have perplexed us so my dear the enterprise requires courage and high spirits you see and indeed it does what am i about to do he himself it is plain thinks it necessary that i should be accompanied with one of my own sex he might at least have proposed the woman of one of the ladies of his family lord bless me what am i about to do after all as far as i have gone i know not but i may still recede and if i do a mortal quarrel i suppose will ensue and what if it does could there be any way to escape this solmes a breach with lovelace might make way for the single life to take place which i so much prefer and then i would defy the sex for i see nothing but trouble and vexation that they bring upon ours and when once entered one is obliged to go on with them treading with tender feet upon thorns and sharper thorns to the end of a painful journey what to do i know not the more i think the more i am embarrassed and the stronger will be my doubts as the appointed time draws near but i will go down and take a little turn in the garden and deposit this and his letters all but the two last which i will enclose in my next if i have opportunity to write another meantime my dear friend but what can i desire you to pray for adieu then let me only say adieu end of letter forty four